Welcome to 353rd. I am Scott Barstow. And I'm Anders Brownworth. Anders, how in the world are you today? Good. Doing well. Weather is nice. Uh, you know, it's nice and warm here in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. How are things there? It's, uh, it's very well. It's the typical September weather here in Raleigh, North Carolina, where you are just absolutely aching for fall and you get this week and a half of hot, humid weather right at the end of September. It seems like an annual rite of passage into fall. Yeah, it's, that's ridiculous. The trees are turning here, believe it or not, which yeah. I'm, I'm loving already. I couldn't believe it. Anyway. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's for up there. It's late. You've had a lot of rain, which probably delayed it a bit. Yeah, that's um, true. So yeah. uh, you've had some storms come up through there and things like that. So today we are uh, focused on... Uh, a topic that I found a uh, I was listening to a podcast a couple of nights ago when I was out uh, doing something I don't know I was driving my car or something like that and I was listening to this podcast by Rebecca McKinnon from TED Global uh, this past year Rebecca is a is an activist uh, and who campaigns on all for, as far as I can tell campaigns on all sorts of issues but her current uh, her current Flavor is uh, campaigning about taking back the internet was the name of the podcast, and the the three minute version or probably less than that is that the premise of the podcast is that large corporations uh, who dominate the internet are slowly eroding the freedoms of the citizens that participate in them, and she likened it to child labor and uh, the companies that used to dump pollution into drinking water and things like that as uh, that sort of social ill that needed to be remedied through uh, you know, persuasion and uh, activism and lobbying and all the things that made those th- things more or less disappear, at least in Western society. Um, she is campaigning uh, on the uh, her stump is that that same sort of effort is required to get uh, corporations to uh, act more in the interests of the citizenry instead of their own personal interests or even worse in her mind the interests of government. So the the critical difference here is the uh, the the internet, which is seen as a wide open, brand new landscape effectively, uh, you know, unfettered that uh, has suddenly been, uh, you know, starting to be taken over by companies. Yeah. It was supposed to be, I think, the, you know, at, at its inception, the internet was going to be, it's going to democratize and be a, be a, uh, a power for social good, which I think it has been. We saw that with the Arab Spring. Uh, the internet certainly played a large part in uh, what happened in the Middle East, um, with the uh, with the uprisings there and the overthrow of Egypt and then Libya and then um, I don't know some other country over there the rest uh, of them yeah <laughs> so uh, so here's the thing though so you can argue you know uh, Facebook is taking over you know Google is taking over but like especially for Google just just in terms of search there is a very low barrier to not not a barrier to entry it's a very low uh, stickiness to that service. If somebody comes along with a better mousetrap, their users are just going to leave en masse. Now, they've done a brilliant job of keeping way, way ahead of the pack on this. So that's not a danger right now. But the fact of the matter is, you don't have to use Google. You don't have to use Facebook. You know, it's, it's 
Uh, you, in this uh, TED talk, she showed the uh, Rebecca McKinnon showed the video, the uh, uh, iconic television commercial uh, that Apple did in 1984, uh, the release of the Mac, where they were trying to make the point wh why 1984 won't be like 1984, and then you flash forward, you know, 25 years or whatever, and suddenly, you know, Apple could be easily argued as as the uh, tyrannical megacorp. Yeah, so. so I think there was a couple of interesting case studies she brought up and uh, in defense of her of her point of view and primarily I think for at least from from my point of view they they centered around the idea of censorship and the censoring of content by private corporations. So in Apple's case that primarily took the took the form of apps not being allowed either into the app store or being pulled from the app store after a sufficient complaint. Mm. And uh, a couple of examples come to mind. She mentioned a few. This uh, There was a pro-Palestinian app that apparently was released, and then the Israeli government, from McKinnon's point of view, was able to persuade Apple through whatever means that the uh, this application was going to incite violence and therefore should be pulled. And then there was, uh, of course, we've all heard the stories about what, what's happening in China. And she even mentioned a, an app that was, uh, that was released in West Germany that apparently had some – it was a magazine, as I recall. And I don't remember the name of it. Yeah. There was a magazine uh, released an app that had – yeah, I guess it was lewd content or adult content or more adult content. And apparently this magazine is on the shelves in Germany but was not allowed – uh, into the app store because of its content. And so I guess her her premise is that corporations such as Apple uh, now wield a much larger stick in terms of what uh, what content is allowed through. And it's really up to them and not up to a, an external body or the citizens what is actually appropriate, but rather it's up to Apple's point of view. Well, you could argue that there's a lot of self-policing that, that's going on. That's sort of the de facto uh, first step. You got the self-policing. You, know, you got Google saying, uh, you know, don't be evil. Don't, don't do evil things, right? And uh, you could also argue that, that Google has overstepped that bound uh, on a number of cases. So in the very beginning, when something is – when an industry is young, you, you, you self-police immediately. I mean the, the idea that comes to mind – for this that's that is just starting to happen now are drones right now that's all self-policing who's 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 to stop somebody from you know parking a drone on the uh, white house lawn it's very technically doable it's just shunned within the the hobbyist industry as well it should be right um so things start self-policing and then they only make that step to uh, to law, to the uh, you know when there's some kind of a flagrant violation, or the uh, the industry has grown to such a size that it just uh, you know it's it's a very public thing, and you just can't uh, the old way of self policing it just doesn't isn't practical for whatever reason anymore. Right. Um, well, my, I guess my point of view on this is is this that there was it was interesting to me. I remember. I don't know if you remember this, but earlier this year, I think it was May or sometime in there, Apple pulled a um, pulled an app from a a pro Christian organization. I think it was Exodus International. They released this so called Gay Cure app. 
Okay. And and uh, this organization, and it was basically a, uh, I don't know, some number of step program for people to, you know, get out of that lifestyle. Yeah. And and so there was a huge uh, uprising amongst uh, a number of civil liberties groups, and there was a you know at protests were filed and things like that. And and it's I wonder. Uh, as I was listening to McKinnon talk, I wondered where she would have come down on that app uh-huh. because there was – I mean that is as much free speech as all the things she, she mentioned. Um, you could make the case that if, 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 the, if the standard is let the people decide, then the standard is let the people decide, not mm-hmm. – <clears throat> Not, not, not let Mossad decide? Right, or not even um, you know. It's not. It's not necessarily um, he who makes the most noise. It's the if that app had no traction or was a bad application, people wouldn't have used it. And yeah. so what? It's and I don't know her stance on that. She may have well, been. I, I she may have been very much opposed to. Yes, yeah, I can't imagine. But I can't imagine if you take the stance that she's taking, she had to have been against um, the app being pulled from the store. Uh-huh. Because uh, because it violates the, this. Yeah, I got it. See, it's yeah. Apple's. It's still Apple's. Um, essentially, it's Apple's judgment as to what's offensive and what's not. Yeah, I think I think the other thing. That's a good point. I think the the other thing I would say is, do you intrinsically have a trust in democracy or not? Because if you if if you have some thing that sort of flagrantly violates your personal uh, belief system or whatever it is or, or sensibilities, are you willing to put down put down the gun in deference to whatever the uh, the the mass says, whatever the democratic answer is uh, to that, even if it's totally against you? Um, and and I always find that that comes down to a core belief in democracy or not. Right. Yeah, I think it's a – to me, it's a um, – I would characterize it as a libert- – today, at least, it would be considered a libertarian point of view where you believe that, you know, the freedom that the, – the right, the right to live a certain way and the right to live in the way that you believe is – proper within the context of course of um reasonable laws that yeah you know, so if my behavior isn't harming you do you have a say in my behavior mm-hmm. right and i think to me that's really what this uh podcast was all about because apple or facebook and this she also mentioned i thought some interesting case studies in facebook where where Facebook has apparently cooperated with the Chinese government and some other very large governments, um, yeah. and just things that you know sort of smell bad, right? Yeah. And I remember, well, remember the stink over Google's uh, yeah. censorship in China, and yeah, um, you know not not pumping in content to China that was uh, anti-Chinese government, and then you remember the stink that they got in over that. Yeah. And that was a huge brouhaha at they've, the time. They've bailed out, right? They're out. They're out of China, yes. right? Yeah, I believe yeah. so. And um, and so, I guess my question for you is: Does a corporation have? So, a corporation is run by people. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's not a this sort of machine mm-hmm. that uh, makes autonomous decisions. At the core of it, there's still 
somebody's values are being pushed forward by what that corporation does, whether that's for good or for bad. If in the case of Enron, you've got, you know, you had thieves at the top and that was and is sort of their legacy. And so it, what is Apple's responsibility? Is their responsibility, does it, is it uh, one of doing what's right for the citizenry or is it one of doing what's right, what's in the best interests of the company in order to preserve and grow shareholder value? What's in the best interest of the company is in, on, in the long run what is the, in the best interest of the citizenry, I would argue. What about Enron? Certainly that would not well, be true there. Well, that's true. And, and that's why they folded. If you want to look at it in a purely laissez-faire uh, capitalism way, they're, they're gone. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's what happens. So, uh, yeah, as far as Apple is concerned, I think Google takes this long-term view as well. Obviously, very different takes in their own right. But they still do realize that at the end of the day, Ultimately, what is best for the largest group of people, uh, and therefore, effectively, you might argue what the democracy would uh, decide uh-huh. is where they really want to go. Now, if you're trying to uh, just hit a number for the quarterly report, uh, you know, to to juice your results on uh, Wall Street, I mean, you know, <laughs> all bets are off. It's really a very long-term thing, and I think. Um, companies that go public kind of fall, tend to fall in one of these two buckets, uh, you know, more or less. And the Enrons were in juicing profits, you know, every every quarter or whatever it was and just doing whatever they needed to do to get the short-term profits at the horrible expense of the long-term. Sure. Uh, you know, same same might be said for, for bailing out banks. Yep. I mean, it certainly didn't hurt, uh, you know, nearly as much as it would have had you let the banks just all fail because you know that would have cut right to the bone through a lot of good muscle and right to the bone in a lot of areas but at the end of the day you know in the long run it's probably the better you know the better thing to do uh, if you can stomach the short term uh, you know bottom falling out of the market and just pain that that will cause and double digit uh, unemployment mm-hmm. so unfortunately the uh, market is set up in in such a way that it kind of really tends to reward the quarterly report the uh you know the short term and then uh there are some laws that exist to try to push the uh interest more to the long term for example short term cap gains versus long term cap gains that kind of thing but still that's only a year but i think the real big companies that really are going to uh you know be there for the long haul certainly see past that and they uh they realize that you you really do have to set yourself up for 5 and 10 years down the road yeah um, but even saying all that does a does apple at its core do they owe something to us as consumers to behave you know, do they should they be cooperating with the Chinese government? Should they be cooperating? Should they be influenced by the Israeli government in terms of you know how they decide what's in and what's out? If that if if McKinnon's uh, points are true, and in fact there was influence brought to bear by the Israeli government, and that's why this pro-Palestinian application was removed from the App Store, yeah. should they have? Should they be cooperating? Should these 
large corporations that have access to more data than ever before. Um, they these guys know Facebook, Facebook, Apple, Google. They know more about their users and the population in general than at any other time in history. Um, so what's their what's their obligation? Well, it's, it's really hard to say. I mean, you know, giving a giving a uh, a yes no answer for for every single you know situation is 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 real tough. You have to look at everything in the in the long term. Should they? Uh, you know, be making this decision. I mean, they have to. They're they're the self-appointed uh, arbiter of what ends up in the app store or not. And I do benefit by having that filter there. For example, you know, there there's not uh, uh, malware apps that uh, you know show up. I feel pretty safe about buying stuff now. There certainly is a gray area, and they certainly, in in strictly a financial sense, do have. Uh, some responsibility there not to do something that would be against the majority, but yeah. in, but they will, you know, they clearly, I think clearly have in, in some cases. So it, it really comes down to a calculus then, uh, for the business, you know, you know, is the long-term flap worth the, uh, the, the short-term gain or, or whatever it is, right? They, they have to do that, that calculus. And, uh, I mean, you know, until you, you know, have some flagrant violations that uh, spur the peop- the populace on to demand a, you know, a, a set of rules and regulations that govern this, uh, it's just going to be self-policing. I mean, it's horrible if you think about the amount of data that exists in uh, these companies. Uh, what's worth it? Because, you know, you know, on the other side of this, the companies are are aware of the fact that if they flagrantly violate a position with their, with a large data store knowing tons about their customers, you know, compare what people used, used to know about customers to what they know now. I mean, it's not even in the same universe. Nope. Nowadays, you just know so much more. Uh, finally, finally detailed. I mean, your whole credit score thing is kind of a joke compared to how much, you know, marketers know about you these days. So, yeah. uh, so they are constantly though doing that calculus saying, Hey, look, you know, we have this incredible capability and we, we're going to use it. Uh, but we don't want to use it too much or flaunt it too much because we don't want the slammer to come down and, and regulation to happen. Now, the way you watch uh, Facebook handle this privacy issue uh, stuff, they tend to push it too far and then immediately back off. Yeah. Whereas other companies, I would argue probably, just don't make a show of it and, uh, you know, don't use as much as they could. Don't push it as far as they could. Yeah, Facebook seems to do the, um, you know, they they seem to throw something over the wall that's really controversial and then they'll put the power of the, they'll put some control back in the hands of the users to turn it off yeah, after they, they yeah. kind of, it seems like their, their approach is, let's see how much flap we get over this thing. Um, and if there's not enough, it just sort of sits there and nobody knows about it. Um, and then if it's something significant, then they seem to, oh yeah, uh, yeah, we can give you some control over that. But what's the long term there? So you do that and then, uh, you know, you, you step across some line that just, it's a, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back type of thing. And suddenly regulation is thrown down. I mean, you, you know that. 
It's know, going to happen. It's got to happen. Yeah. There's going to be some major overstep where Facebook either sells the data or uses it in a way that is there's either going to be, I think it's one of two ways. There's either going to be a very large backlash yeah. where everybody in, in mass starts to, ex, starts to exit the app because of some you know, some egregious violation, or it will be what you said. There'll be some congressman or senator that's looking to be the hero that will step in and pass onerous legislation to control it. Yeah. And I think the, um, the, the bottom line for me, and you touched on this in the beginning, is in, in this particular issue is that unlike prior, you know, these prior social or societal ills that uh, McKinnon talks about being brought on by corporations, whether it was child labor or, you know, spewing filth into rivers or whatever it was. Yeah. The people involved, the people that were being violated in those particular circumstances had, first of all, no choice in the matter. Second of all, they, you know, they were sort of unknowing victims. And if you, uh, the, the difference to me, the fundamental difference is I don't have to use an Apple iPhone. Mm-hmm. I don't have to use Facebook, as you talked about early in the early in the in the podcast. And uh, I can, if I want to, I can choose to live more or less offline. Sure. So I don't have to do any of it, and that doesn't. Uh, I'm not saying that by me exiting stage right that it's going to solve any problem. I'm not suggesting that, but I think there's you can vote with your feet. Yeah, I think it's incumbent upon. Uh, you know, certainly on activists and upon uh, conscientious uh, citizens to be aware of what uh, liberties we're ceding to uh, companies, what what privacy is being is being ebbed away, uh, and we have to you know constantly check that and constantly say, hey, you know if I'm using this browser or I'm using this service or I'm using this site or whatever it is, these are the things that I'm giving away. I'm conscious of that. Somebody tags me in an image or or a drone flies by and it's taking pictures and it's matching up my face. Or Well, you just have to be aware of that stuff. There's, you can't just skate through life assuming, uh, you know, anonymity as it was in the 1970s. Yeah, um, you, that's true. You have to be aware. You know, you, you realize that uh, when you go to the uh, the checkout counter at the the supermarket, it costs more to run a card than it does to pay in cash. But the, there is a downside to running a card. You know, they try they can track you a lot a lot more easily than they can if you. Uh, pay with cash. I mean, why do you think they have those little key rings that, you know, with the thing that you can scan and then you get a, a discount on your your purchases? It's because they can track you. They're paying for that, and there's a reason they pay for it. So, you know, uh, I think it's just incumbent upon all of us to remain conscientious citizen uh, citizenry and remember what we are and aren't giving up when we use various services. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's uh, there's certainly that side of it, and I think there's going to be uh, it'll be interesting to watch. I think that uh, if these companies that win, you know, the companies that win now seem to win big in this game. Yeah, it's like you get you get the momentum, and all of a sudden you've got seventy percent market share. Whereas before, you know, if we were um, yeah, if you and I had started up rival companies for you know making macaroni and cheese, we might each get you know twenty percent of that market, and that was a huge segment. 
Yeah. Um, and these companies seem to command just huge market share. If you win, the win, the winners win big, and the rest seem to be irrelevant almost. Yeah. And so I think that's, uh, and I agree with that part of McKinnon's uh, sort of uh, ideas that you know these companies have so much power. And and maybe it's always been the case. Maybe the maybe the railroads had this kind of power. It was just a different sort of thing, or you know whatever it was, or the oil companies back in the 1900s yeah, they or did. whatever. They and did. they certainly had. It was a different kind of control. They controlled the supply chain. They controlled the you know. I don't know that it was a whole lot different. I think it's just it's just the next wave of it, and we've got to figure out how to navigate it and make it make it. Uh, Make it palatable. Yeah. Back in the day, Standard Oil uh, had such control that they would they would ship oil at a loss just to drive a competitor out of business. Yeah. Uh, and and so you look at what happened with the breakup of Standard Oil and see how that all happened and how uh, how that played out, and you kind of can project that onto. You know what'll happen five, ten, twenty years from now when some kind of a you know egregious thing happens. It's just uh, the question remains: Are the reins in our hands long enough here? I mean, yep. we're kind of arguing that you can stop using Google or or Facebook or whatever, although it may sort of temporarily hurt. You could still stop using it. Uh, I think the as time goes on, uh, you know, there'll be a lot more involuntary. Like, you know, cameras on every corner type of deal, um, yeah. like there is yeah. in New York. Um, yeah, and the so. opt-out option won't be there. Yeah, so we have yeah. to watch out for that. That's all. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was a really uh, it was thought-provoking and interesting topic. Absolutely. So uh, you can uh, find us at our new web address. We're really excited That's about right. owning 353rd.com. That's 350-T-H-I-R-D.com instead of 350 third.com, which, which was an, which was just annoying. It was annoying, but it'll redirect you now. If you go to 350 yeah. they'll redirect you. Yeah, so, so you can good. find us there. You can, of course, uh, download and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at, at 353rd. Thanks a lot for listening. We appreciate all of the support, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.